Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Today is Monday, June 28th, 2021, coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered. There's a new COVID variant out that could be very deadly if you're not protected. We'll talk with Dr. Ebony Hilton about that on today's show. Also, now, where's our money segment? A lot of major advertisers had spots winning last night on the BET Awards, but how many of them are supportive of Black-owned media? Also, uh, on today's show, a new poll shows that African-Americans are in support of defunding the police and shifting of resources for police reform. Plus... Uh, the Essence Festival, uh, virtual festival, 2021, took place over the weekend. It will take place again this weekend. We'll have a recap and talk with the top editor at Essence, uh, Corey Mur- Murray, as well as comedian Roy Wood Jr. Folks, it is time to bring the funk of Roller Martin on the filter. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's going, putting it down from sports to news. 
Folks, glad to have you here on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Texas Democrats, they're suing the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, uh, for vetoing the bill that funds uh, thousands of state lawmakers. You might remember, of course, when the Texas Democrats walked out uh, of the U.S. Capitol to keep, from, from, to keep a voter suppression bill from passing. Well, uh, what happened there, uh, the governor then got real petty and he decided to actually uh, veto their funding. Talk about being weak. Uh, the governor says Democrats overstepped their authority. Democrats say the governor overstepped his authority, sorry. But the governor's office says their argument is, quote, misleading, misleading and misguided. This is a statement released from the um, spokesman for the Texas governor's office. Let's go ahead and pull that up. The Constitution protects the legislative branch. As, as, and as the Democrats well know, their positions, their power and their salaries are protected by the Constitution. They can continue to legislate despite the veto. And folks, what we are seeing here, we're seeing Democrats uh, try to be as aggressive as they can because they don't control levels of power in Texas. Republicans control all statewide positions, including the governor, lieutenant governor. They control both houses, uh, the House as well as the Senate. Let's go to my panel. Amos Jones, the Weaver Leadership Strategist, joins us right now. Michael Brown, former vice chair, DNC Finance Committee, Dr. Omakongo Dabinga, Professorio Lecturer School of International Service at American University. Michael, I want to start with you. Uh, look, Democrats don't have many choices here. They just they just simply don't. They don't have any options. But the bottom line is what they do have is they have an opportunity uh, to frustrate as best as they can. And this is what Democrats should be doing all across the country, uh, doing using everything available in order for them to stay in control, in order for them to lead. Yeah. First, Roland, I like your new technology. Um, congratulations. as you. Well, actually, no, no, no. We're, all, we're only using this. We're only using this. Uh, because we are uh, moving offices, and so oh, gotcha, uh, we decided, gotcha. well, yeah, we decided uh, we had to, we got to go completely virtual uh, this time. But uh, we'll be uh, we're packing up out of our old office by Wednesday. We'll be in our new offices uh, on Thursday, and we'll be broadcasting from the new offices on Monday. So uh, well, this is way, only this congratulations, week. congratulations. Sir. Does that mean we get to come back in the studio? Or we're going to stay virtual. Uh, we're probably going to stay virtual for a few more months. Uh, we'll see what Dr. Ebony Hilton says later in the Today Show regarding the new COVID variant. We'll see. <laughs> Got it. So, um, you know, you and I have talked about this a lot, uh, Roland, and, and, and certainly with uh, my fellow panelists, we've talked about it a lot, is uh, the Democratic Party, my party, the party I care about the most. Uh, I, I'm glad we're starting, at least in Texas, uh, starting to fight uh, gunfights with a gun um, instead of always trying to figure out how to sing Kumbaya with the Republican Party. They're not into Kumbaya. They're into winning, they're into power, and they're into taking away power from people of color. So there is not going to be a kumbaya moment. So I'm glad the Democrats in Texas took a stand against uh, Governor Abbott, who is clearly, you know, obviously he's off base. He's a, I guess he's a Trumper. Um, but nonetheless, I wish we would fight like that in more parts of the country on the state level 
and obviously for and and speaker speaker Pelosi has done her part to fight fire with fire. Um, I know Senator Schumer; they supposedly played by a different set of rules in the Senate, but McConnell doesn't care about kumbaya. Um, so it seems that uh, maybe we need to follow the Texas Democrats' lead. Uh, it's all about again uh, doing the best that you can with what you have, uh, Avis. Uh, and what the Democrats have to realize uh, across the country is you use power any way that you can, same way Republicans do. And so that's what, first of all, the people in Congress should be taking some lessons from that. Uh, but it was smart for Texas Democrats to walk out because the bottom line is that kept the bill from advancing. Absolutely. I mean, you have to be able to uh, fight fire with fire. And, uh, you know, it is, it's just very interesting to me that the dynamics of the cultures of the two parties, uh, the Democratic Party always wants to talk about and harp on bipartisanship when uh, the Republicans are only focused on power. And if there was any time, if there was any time to grow a spine and to show evidence of a backbone, it should be around this issue right here. Uh, the degree to which we are experiencing a second coming of Jim Crow now in this country cannot be overemphasized. And quite frankly, I am, although I'm heartened by the Texan Democrats, I'm very disappointed in the Democratic Party writ large in terms of its lack of a sense of urgency around this issue. This should be a five alarm fire and every mechanism at their disposal at the federal at all the way down to the state level in all the states across the nation that this catastrophe is occurring should be happening. I am hoping that uh, other Democrats are watching uh, and are being inspired by these actions because if ever there was a time to fight, the time to fight is now. Omicongo? Uh, <laughs> wow. The Republicans have demonstrated once again that they don't care about anybody. Because one of the things that Abbott is doing right now, it's affecting re Republican staff members as well. I mean, these guys who are congressmen, you know, they, they're not there nine to five, they got other ways of making money, but the average staff person who's coming in every single day, and this is their primary source of income, they're going to be affected by this. And Abbott doesn't care, McConnell doesn't care. As Michael was saying, this is about that power grab and they will step on anybody to get it. So I commend those the Democrats in Texas for doing what they're doing. But like Dr. DeWeaver said, we need more. We need more action. Last week, President Biden was asked about his whole idea about voting rights. And they said, oh, he's going to make a statement on that next week, which would be this week. Seriously? You know, we don't have time for next week. This is a daily action that they're taking to destroy our rights. And they need to step up. Like she said, writ large, they're failing us right now. Uh, you're absolutely right that these things uh, look, you, you got to fight uh, as best that you can. And I think that's one of the things uh, that we're seeing uh, take place here. Uh, of course, uh, the pressure continues over the weekend. Black Voters Matter. Uh, they held uh, their rally here in D.C., uh, had that caravan that went from, of course, the south uh, to the nation's capital. And that has to continue. We have that has to go on and on and on we have to see more of that. Abus. Uh, and, and look, we, we, look, we know what took place where. Democrats were not able to end the filibuster to even get get the bill discussed on, on the floor. But this has to be top of mind. You have these Democrat donors who say, oh, let's move on. Let's focus on infrastructure bill. But the bottom line is uh, you can talk about that all you want to, but you're going to actually screw yourself over the next five to 10 years if you do not keep fighting voter suppression. That's why the Department of Justice decision late, late last week to file suit against Georgia is important. And again, to me, this is a part of 
using all of your weapons. What is the whole point of holding back? You got no choice. Uh, and so they must also uh, go back to ramping up pressure on these corporations to say, stand with us and withhold these funds when it comes to folks who support voter suppression. Absolutely right. It is interesting to me to see that so many people are just willing to sort of move on, turn the page. Like, And it's also interesting to me, the fact, honestly, to be perfectly honest, I think this whole thing was bungled from the very beginning. Why were there two separate bills? Why wasn't there a focus on the John Lewis Act? Why wasn't there a focus on making sure that we repaired uh, the Voting Rights Act in terms of the damage that it suffered with regards to the Supreme Court? Uh, you know, I think bifurcating this issue like this hurt this issue. I don't really understand why the Democrats cannot seem to grow a strategic bone in their body. It was absolutely asinine from the beginning to have it all conflated in this way in the first place. It should have been priority number one. Unless we have our voting rights protected, they can kiss their majority in the House and the Senate goodbye. They could largely they could kiss their potential of having another Democratic administration uh, goodbye. They are trying, the Republicans are trying everything possible to undermine the voting rights of the core Democratic voters. The reason, you know, I can't understand why the Democratic Party is so thick-skulled that they can't get that needs to be priority number one. It should have been priority number one from day one. And the fact that it still, to me, seems to be no sense of significant urgency there completely baffles the mind. The thing there uh, about legislative power, at the end of the day, if you're locked out, uh, gerrymandering is going to be happening because of the census. Uh, Republicans are looking to uh, shave off anywhere from five to ten seats in Texas and Florida combined. Uh, that could be a death knell. For Democrats being able to keep control of the U.S. House next year, Michael? Um, absolutely. And I think part of the challenge that the, the good doctor mentioned, she's exactly right. And part of that is whether it's the president, whether it's the speaker, and to some extent, Majority Leader Schumer, is having to deal with this left flank and the progressive wing of the party. The reason that they did this other bill was because they wanted all that left progressive stuff in there. They couldn't get it in the John Lewis bill, so they created the new bill. But you're exactly right, Doc. They should have just stuck with the John Lewis bill. That would have protected what was going on in these states. Um, and now you're right, there's a lot of confusion which bill to, which bill to support. Um, they needed to pass the John Lewis bill. That problem, that may have been able to pass in the Senate. A little more, it's still difficult but more likely than, than, the, than the other bill, the kind of more inclusive bill uh, that talks about obviously money and all these other things that you know the Republicans aren't gonna go for anyway. But nonetheless, the John Lewis bill needs to pass because that's what will at least protect on one level what's going on in the States. Uh, on the Congo, um, again, I go back to that gerrymandering issue, which is significant. Again, you're seeing the loss of seats in the Midwest and the East as well. Uh, we know that, uh, of course, New, New, New York State is going to lose one seat because of less than 100 uh, people counted during the census. That's why the census was so important. This was one of the reasons why Republicans did not really want to fund uh, uh, census efforts because they said, wow, a shifting population away from white voters is going to help them out. We saw, like, like literally in Texas, they went, oh, all good. Let, let's, not, let's not fund any census efforts. And all of a sudden, when they realized, wait a minute, 
we could actually gain from this all of a sudden they had a late push for it but the population increase in texas is largely due to minority voters namely latinos and republicans are trying to claim many of uh, those that that new population in those seats and so there was so what people have to understand we're actually losing power people of color are losing power because they are basically creating districts for white voters not new minority voters that's right and we're also seeing an increase in people who are moving to places like texas as well because they 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 this is just a they, the republicans played a long game plain and simple and they have a history of having the the ruling over i guess have representing the fewer amount of people but still maintaining the same amount of power if not more than the democrats they played a long game and the democrats really have to realize right now that they need to have a three-pronged approach you talked earlier about the financial aspect of it the other two parts of it are we have to keep pushing out the the, the rallies the caravans, everything going on in the Black Voters Matter, that's extremely important. We got to get people registered to vote. The voter education has to continue. But this pressure on the corporations, it also has to matter because some of these businesses are also moving their offices to places like Texas as well. And they're not used to having, be, they're not used to being called out in terms of their financial contributions and the like. And so that has to be an aspect of it that we can't lose going into 2022 because we saw that these corporations were indeed responsive for the most part when we were calling them out. But once we, but they also know that many people have short attention spans. So we have to make sure that we keep that up as well because we have to talk about who they shouldn't be funding as well as who they should be funding. So that's an also a part we can't uh, lose sight of. Uh, speaking of funding, a lot of folks uh, are being very critical of a company like Toyota uh, because Toyota, uh, they're giving a lot of donations to Republicans who voted not to support uh, the uh, electors. Um, and we're talking about a, a lot of money. We've been seeing these tweets uh, go uh, all around uh, all around social media about this. And we actually reached out to Toyota uh, for a statement. Uh, Keenan, if you can go, if you can pull that statement up, that'd be great. Uh, so I can actually read that statement for folks. Um, and so let me do. Um, here is the here the statement from the Toyota Pack. All right, Toyota's Pack by design is bipartisan in nature, and we contribute equally to the Democratic and Republican parties. Toyota supports candidates based on their position on issues that are important to the auto industry and the company. We do not believe it is appropriate to judge members of Congress solely based on their votes on the electoral certification. Based on our thorough review, we decided against giving to some members who, through their statements and actions, undermine the legitimacy of our elections and institutions. Now, the reason this is important is because uh, there are a lot of black folks who buy Toyotas. In fact, uh, in fact, there are African-Americans who sit on the board of directors of Toyota uh, and they also, and, and I've read some, I've read some stories and I've been pulling those up where uh, Toyota actually has the largest market share, the largest market, market share of black voters. So the question is, excuse me, black, black uh, purchasers. So the question is this, the question is this, Omicongo, um, if that's the case, what should black consumers be saying to Toyota as a result of, of who they're finding? Black consumers need to put the pressure on, on Toyota. And look, I am a long-term Toyota brand. My members of my family as well. I was not aware of this till you brought this to our attention. And you can guarantee they are hearing from me. 
we need to let them know that, as you say, Roland, all of the time, that black dollars matter. And whether we're talking about car loans, credit cards, whatever, Toyota makes it a point to try to have these advertisements on Kwanzaa and, and Black History Month and all of these things. But if you're going to support people who wanted to undermine an election that was going to take away the freedoms that you're allowed to enjoy here as a corporation in the first place, this is unacceptable. And so Toyota, you're, you're on notice. Many of us were not aware of this. We're aware now. And we're going to be coming and knocking at your door, whether physically, whether through emails, whatever, because this is unacceptable to support people who are actively working to take away the rights of your customers that, that we can't stand for that. Uh, Avis, yeah, I think you got to make it an issue. Uh, people who did not support the 2020 election. Oh, yeah, you, you definitely have to make it an issue. Uh, and, um, you know, the beautiful thing is that uh, we know. <laughs> we know now. And if there's one thing that we understand uh, as a community, it's about organizing. And this is really about um, us putting Toyota on notice, as was mentioned, uh, that we have substantial, uh, uh, substantial financial power that we can flex. And as we have flexed it your way in the past, we can flex it against you in the future. Um, you know, this really needs to be a, a full out PR disaster uh, for Toyota. And so everything that we can do in terms of social media and, and also in terms of our buying choices, uh, it needs to reflect uh, our dissatisfaction and disdain with this idea of supporting people that not only uh, were seeking to overturn an election, uh, but was doing it based on lies that specifically focused on states uh, that were largely um, decided on the votes of African-Americans. This is a complete uh, attack against the respect uh, due to uh, the Black America voting power. And, and we need to make sure that Toyota understands that this is something we're not going to forget and they're going to have a price to pay for it. That's right. Oma Congo. Excuse me. I'm sorry, Michael. Yeah, it's, I, mean, I certainly co-sign on uh, everything that um, both of my fellow panelists said. I think, you know, my, and I'm glad, and Roland, that's why your show is such a service. You bring these issues up. So then we can then talk about them and other people can talk about them. My son, one of my sons drives a Toyota. Um, obviously, if I was aware of what you just said before he purchased it, I would have suggested maybe he select another vehicle. And I think, but that's where the, the economics will be so important because for example, how will, whether it's magazines, these other charitable, uh, charitable organizations, when Toyota calls and says, I want to buy ad space or I want to be a contributor, it's so hard for companies of color to say no to those dollars. The discipline comes saying, you know what? No, I understand if you wanted to support some folks because they wanted to overturn the electoral college because there was some actual evidence, but there wasn't, it was, as, as Dr. mentioned, it was based on lies. So I'm curious about their kind of US operations, their, their US, frankly, their lobbyists here in town whoever they got the advice from, why this would be a good idea. Because the only way you change behavior, especially with folks on the Hill, is you impact their bank account. And when they see that Toyota is now not supporting their golf tournament or their dinner or their gala, then all of a sudden they say, well, you know what? Maybe I need to change my view on that position, on that issue. 
Well, first of all, you're absolutely right. And so, again, uh, there are a lot of companies who came out there after the insurrection saying, oh, we're not going to be supporting. Then they quietly begin to give money back with their political action committees. And so we should be monitoring that as well. Speaking of monitoring, uh, we were doing that when it comes to our Where's Our Money segment. been frozen out facing an extinction level event we don't fight this fight right now you're not going to have black on all right folks last night was the BT awards and really i think i would call it uh bt commercial fest interspersed with the few performances there were a ton of commercials uh, that were uh, on the BET Awards last night. A lot of major companies were spending money. BET no longer, of course, is black-owned. They're black-targeted. Uh, and so uh, we're going to roll through. I, I want to show y'all, uh, again, all the corporations that dropped ads last night uh, on uh, on the BET Awards. Uh, you had uh, Axios, Capital One, uh, State Farm, Apple, Nissan, Procter & Gamble, uh, Macy's, uh, Burger King, Warner Brothers, Pepsi, Columbia Pictures, T-Mobile, Sprite, M&M's, Kellogg's, Walmart, Little Caesars, uh, Verbo, Ashley Home Furniture, Intuit QuickBooks, Red Bull, Universal Pictures, McDonald's, Amazon, Facebook, Coors Light, uh, Garnier, Serum Cream, um, uh, U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, uh, Geico, you also had uh, a number uh, of different, um, get a number of different, uh, I don't guess all of them right there, folks. Get a number of different um, makers. First of all, yet Snuggle, Invisalign, Absolute, Paramount Plus, L'Oreal. Um, you also had, uh, let's see here, Pizza Hut. Uh, let's see, I got, uh, like I said, I mentioned Procter & Gamble. You had Dove. Uh, you also had, let me go through here, uh, Facebook, uh, Macy's. Uh, let's see the other companies. Uh, like I said, uh, uh, you had Modelo, T-Mobile, uh, Apple, uh, Disney. Uh, you had, of course, uh, Marvel, uh, Marvel, um, Marvel. Of course, uh, Disney makes those those movies. Uh, and then uh, you had the drugs for Stasis, Dupix, Dupixent. You also had uh, one of the drugs uh, as well. It was one more that I missed. I don't see it on my list here. Uh, I, I can find it here. Uh, Intresto. You had Bounty. Let's see, Doritos, Ford, LinkedIn, Domino's, AT&T, Netflix, Popeyes, Target, Coors Light, Charmin, uh, Pampers, and there you go. So those are all the sponsors there. Now, now, why am I doing that? Because I've been posting the logos on my social media and then asking the question, all right, how many of them are supportive of black-owned media? Now, see, that's a lot of money. In fact, Ad Age dropped the story over the weekend that said the demand was so high for BET that they added 30 minutes to the show. Wow. 30 minutes wow. to the show for the advertisers. Now, they also said they had such a strong response when it comes to performances. Mm -mm. That was a money thing. A three and a half hour awards program. That's what you saw. Uh, and so joining me now is Todd Brown with the Urban Edge. He, of course, uh, they've launched uh, HBCU League Pass. HBCU League Pass. Glad to have him on the show. 
So, Todd, this is a, a, a major deal here. And again, what this says is corporate America, they ain't got a problem trying to get money from black people. They want to sell their wares to black people. They're fully in support of BT and the award show because they're black targeted. But we keep arguing, are all of these companies supportive of black owned companies? Yeah, Roland, I think what you're saying is important for two reasons. One is it shows that they know how to purchase black. And the con that, that question is only put because the questions that we we get every day from advertising agencies and from brands is, are your platforms safe for my brand environment? Are you providing the kind of innovation and connection with the audience? And moreover, are you going to denigrate the messages that I'm trying to send? And, and a lot of people would argue that those questions um, should have been asked around the show we just saw, because of, of course it, it, it was at the fringe of a lot of entertainment. But the bigger thing is brands overextended themselves to check a black box on a white platform. And we're seeing very little of that spin, lots of meetings, lots of talks for black owned. And so we're driving a, a bigger conversation, Roland, and you've been part of that conversation uh, in a major way around categories of spin and categories of consumption. And then when you look at the consumption and all the key categories that are represented during the BET awards, you should see that same level of flow to black owned media. And as we said in our collective, we're not seeing that in any material way. We're seeing drips and drafts here and there, but we're not seeing the level of commitment that you're making to iHeart with blackface on white media. We're not seeing the level of commitment that you just had the exuberance on during the BET Awards. And by the way, not just the show, the pre-show and the post-show, all the inventory was fully, fully stacked. Uh, and so we know they know how to do it. Now we need to see them and hold them to account for doing it on Black-owned platforms where we control the narrative, we control the message, and we control the images that we are putting out uh, and the stories that we're putting out to our people. All those things are important because it's not just the ad support, it's the ability for them to tell our story and to paint our narrative, which is also very impactful. Um, and, and when we talk about that, uh, again, there were a number of companies that I mentioned. Also, I think um, I, I did not, Coca-Cola, Walmart, I mentioned McDonald's, uh, tech companies as well, a number of them. And so one of the things, so what I did, Todd, was, so I've been posting these on social media, LinkedIn, all of these platforms, uh, and in fact, uh, Procter and Gamble clearly saw our post and then reached out to us saying, Hey, want to link y'all up with the right people to connect with. Uh, and, and I purposely said this here, you know, Coca-Cola, uh, they're one of our sponsors for our essence throwback. And I said, uh, I, I gave them credit for that, uh, that, uh, their announcement of their, their spin with black and other minority media, I, Walmart, we're ha we, we are having conversations with them. We have not closed a deal with them. I said, we certainly are looking forward to, um, uh, to a long-term partnership with all of these folks. Uh, but we need to be very, very specific with the companies that are not responding. I fired off an email uh, to an executive at Apple asking about their Black-owned spin. Uh, same thing in all these companies. Uh, these companies have Blackboard members uh, and there are people, and a lot of these companies have refused to even publicly uh, commit to a Black-owned media spin. And we need to be demanding this. And, and, and for the person who who is watching, who needs to understand the difference between advertisers supporting BET when they were black owned and advertisers now supporting BET 
when they are owned by Viacom CBS, not black owned. Brett Pulley in his book, The Billion Dollar Bet, uh, the unauthorized biography of BET and Bob Johnson. When Viacom CBS uh, bought BET, uh, Todd, they were shocked to discover how much BET was getting for a 30 second ad compared to what MTV was getting for the same 30 second ad. Explain that to our audience, sure. the difference. I think it's important because it wasn't just a BET phenomenon. So I had the pleasure of being executive vice president and group publisher of Ebony and Jet magazine. And what we find is that generally in black publications, we get 78% less than the market rate and we get 95% less than the market volume. And what that really means is that if an ad rate at BET is $1,500 an hour for a 30 second spot, that same ad on any Viacom network was fetching 8,500. And if you really think about that, Roland, what that means is that instead of $3 billion, which was the closeout price for Bob Johnson when he sold BET to Viacom, that price should have been on the order of 78% higher. And if you think about that, that's about a $15 billion market cap. So he could have sold a third of his company if he was getting market rates. And also for the advantage of Viacom, they can pay off BET very quickly because as soon as they took over, the new rate for BET happened to start to be the market rate of 8,500. Moreover, they even got further distribution. So the idea of the black rate at Ebony and Jet, which was generally 15 to 20K a page, and in, in the case of Ebony, 7,000 a page, in, in case of Jet, 7,000 a page, the like white publications were getting 150 to 200,000 a page. That's the difference between paying your writers on time, being able to have the best stock and paper, being able to pay for the mail, and being able to support your staff and have a White House correspondence in DC covering our stories. So that 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 same problem with black media that we talk about all the time, Roland, is a is a point of us getting our reasonable fair share. And what we find is that that share for black targeted is very small compared to total market, but the black owned share of that is 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 fractionally smaller than that black targeted. So the new move, and I talked to you about this, is the move is that we've created a space called black owned, but who's benefiting directly in the early days is black targeted. Because you're seeing BET be a safe, uh, creative, easy conversation for white brands to have with each other about black properties, which is exactly what happened when all of those good people went over to BET and Viacom and found themselves flush with cash because they were getting the market rate for the first time. And so that, that it's subtle and it's complicated, but it's not. Blacks are discounted by 78% and we get the lowest volume of purchasing and that's problematic. And that's why black media is in such dire straits across the board. Can you hear me? Uh, and, uh, uh, and and there there are people, Ty. There are people who uh, there are people who have said to me. Um, people have said to me, um, "Well, you know, why are y'all being so aggressive? Why are y'all doing this? Why do y'all have to be so uh, loud about it? Why do you have to be so in your face about it?" Well, this is simple. If I got no money last year, 
and I got no money last month and I got no money last week and I got no money on yesterday. It's a good bet. I'm not going to get any money tomorrow. So I might as well say something. Well, it, it, it's worse than that. In, in my business case, I'm focused on HBCUs uh, around sports, around the bands, around engagement with the culture and around gaming. And if you look at the economics of an HBCU athletic program versus the economics of the University of Texas that makes $100 million profit on black bodies, largely on their football team, which funds everything else they do. If you look at the University of Florida, matter of fact, my brother attended Grambling University as a freshman in 1967. When Grambling played against Morgan State at Yankee Stadium, he was a sophomore. There were more professional athletes that came out of Grambling and Texas Southern than Notre Dame. And so the idea of them understanding how to monetize blackness is a perfect example of why we have to speak to black equity and ownership, which never happens relative to media, and the fact that they know how to monetize our black bodies, which I think we saw a major display of during the BET Awards. So this idea of why we're loud and, and verbose about it, we know that silence is killing our potential to tell our story and to have a voice, and moreover, to have basic businesses that otherwise will be harvested uh, and, and what I think is a, a, is a form as abusive as slavery, because it's a slow death and we're awake and we're alive and we're aware and we can read and, and we know that this doesn't work. However, we participate in our silence uh, by, by answering the question, Roland, of being patient when they already showed us during the upfronts that they see us, they hear us, they just can't quite get to writing a check to us. So let's talk about that, that, that upfront. So uh, what, Pete, what the audience doesn't realize is that uh, all of these media ad agencies that represent all of these companies, and we're talking about nearly $300 billion yes, being sir. spent, $300 billion. So the TV upfronts, they make these presentations, the networks explain all of their programming, and essentially they negotiate over three or four weeks with these ad agencies and the companies for the entire year. You and I have participated in, and all of a sudden this year, they created these black upfronts and these minority upfronts because they, they got pressure uh, from Byron Allen and from us and so many others. But here's the deal. We've done the upfronts, several of them, and other than uh, our partnership with Coca-Cola, that's the only one that we've signed, and that didn't even come through the upfronts. I've actually been a, a Coca-Cola VIP and have worked with them for the past decade. And that was through my relationships with them. So the reality is, even though we went through all of these presentations, we haven't closed a single deal. And we're still waiting. Yet all the television networks have all closed. Problematic, Roland. So the idea of your patience and them rewarding you with a meeting. And you remember, we submitted a couple of RFPs before the upfronts. And the agencies were very excited to say, Roland, you were actually considered this year. We really thought about in inviting you to the final rounds. You're not going to make any money. You're not going to get any allocation. So the reward for the agency so far has been, we hear you and we see you and we had a meeting with you. And as you and Byron like to say off, off, off the record is we cannot spend meetings. We cannot spend uh, nice thank yous. So we're asking and demanding and saying where's the beef relative to this issue. Uh, and we know that they have 
quote unquote, intentionality, but you can't spend intentionality. We've got to see them lean into our businesses, support us uh, and invest in the cultivation of our stories by us. Because we have shown again that they know how to do it when it's when it's white owned black media, whether it's iHeart, whether it's BET, whether it's black radio that's owned by you know white members, or and, and that's the struggle. It's really an issue, Roland, where I can't quite see you in my economic equation unless you're just consuming my products and not complaining or making any statements about it. And the people at home are trying, and I get these people hit me up, man, but uh, oh, we got to build our own. I'm like, y'all, that's what the hell we're trying to do. But this business runs on advertising dollars. Period. That's, that's how Comcast and NBC, that's how Fox News and CNN, that's how all these networks are multi-billion dollar corporations because they're getting the advertising dollars. And what I need black people to understand is they're getting the money because they're spending your money. You're buying, you, you, you eat, you drink at Coca-Cola, you eat at McDonald's, uh, you shop at Target, you're using Facebook, you're using, you're using Intuit QuickBooks, you're buying Bounty, you're using Charmin, you're using All, you're using Snuggles, you're using all of these products, so they love our money. And again, there are companies that made announcements. Uh, McDonald's made an announcement, we're meeting with them, we're going to see what that spend is going to yes. be. Uh, Coca-Cola made their announcement. There are 20 companies tied with the agency Group M that made their announcement. But here's the problem. There are probably another 80 to 100 companies that Group M represents that did not commit to even a 2% Black-owned spend. And so, okay, that's great that 20 companies on the group that Group M represents are going to spend 2%. They committed to spending 2% of their marketing advertising budget with black owned media, 2%, that's it. I'm sorry, it should be five to 10. But the fact that only 20 of their companies agree to that, meaning the other 60, 80 or 100 would not even commit to 2%. General Motors announced their plan. I have not heard one publicly from Toyota or Ford or Chrysler or BMW or Nissan or Hyundai, or Honda, have you? No, Roland, we, we have to break this down, I think, in, in a very elementary way. We're talking about $289 billion, according to their numbers. And you're talking about black media, black-owned media, getting in the neighborhood of 100 million of 289 billion. And we're talking about the fact that we drive entertainment, engagement, creative, and again, the new narrative is black creatives. The new narrative is black people in the commercials, black people being part of the dialogue. It's not about black ownership and equity because that portion has historically been severely discounted and put into damn near receivership. So the idea of the conversation that you're driving is now that you've stirred up the hornet's nest and you have the potential for the awakening of black purchasing to be aimed and, 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 and weaponized in such a way that we get black jobs from these companies, we get black investments, we get black businesses, we get black equity is a very scary thing. And so I think folks are waiting, Roland, for this moment to pass. They're waiting for this conversation to be about me and you trying to enrich ourselves, as opposed to us trying to get 13% of $300 billion, 
which by the way is $39 billion as opposed to $100 million. And so if you do that, then guess what? There's jobs for the HBCU students that are focused on media. There's jobs for production. There's jobs for catering. There's building. Otherwise, we find ourselves where we are today, Roland, largely outside of the ability to control our stories and our narratives. And let's be clear, everything that they show on those networks are indicated and managed largely at the top by white owners. And you have black workers who have to who have to manage within that reality. And, and I saw several times and I, I found it shocking that most black entertainers were thanking BET for an opportunity to appear on white-owned media to have the white media commercialize them, as opposed to the reality that BET is 100% owned by Viacom. And so if we own that, then we can really control and drive those conversations in a powerful way. And I think a lot of folks think, you know, that because we show up in spaces that we have actually have control or ability to, to impact the economics. Right now, we're in a consumer consumption, downloading, not uploading media. And we have to shift that by continuing to beat this drum. And, and I'm happy to be able to do that. But it, it, it's something that is uncomfortable because everyone is used to not thinking about this as we're being commercialized. Uh, Avis, I got these idiots on YouTube who really don't know what the hell they're talking about. Uh, you got uh, you got these folks who got, like one person goes, uh, uh, oh, uh, if you get reparations, we will be fine. No, Charles Jameson, you're an idiot. That's not true. Uh, you also got uh, this, this other idiot, um, uh, Dre Smith, Roland, is this just about black media or is it really about black progress and corporations or you just want a white corporations to make your pockets fatter? Well, dumbass Dre Smith, if you were paying attention, we're talking about black owned media. I didn't say just my company or just Todd's company. It's black owned media. Second of all, as Todd said, if any of these idiots want to listen, if you actually if you actually fund, if we get the investment in black owned media, Avis, then guess what? We get to hire black producers, yeah. black reporters, black graphic designers, black set makers, black set makers, black lighting people, black art folks, black folks who edit, black folks, all of that. It's the entire, so we're not sitting here seeing few of us uh, in, in mainstream media. We could literally go out and create these programs. We could actually have partnerships with HBCUs uh, that have school of communications and say, we have jobs available for you. That's the whole point. If we go from getting annually $100 million collectively, and all of a sudden we're getting $10 billion collectively, now imagine the sizes of our companies. And this right here, this discussion we're having right here, for the stuck on stupid people who can't pay attention, and for these advertisers out there, they have to understand these are largely white folks and corporations giving money to nearly uh, 97, 98% white ad agencies who are then giving anywhere from zero to 1% of money to black owned media. And then folks wonder why our businesses are small. Absolutely. I mean, I found this discussion to be so riveting and powerful. I was sitting here taking notes. Okay. Here you just mentioned $209 billion spent in media. No, 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 no. $289 billion. You locked oh off God. $80 billion. 
I can't read my own handwriting. Two hundred eighty-nine billion, and and, and by and by oh. next year, Todd, and by next year, Todd, it's supposed to be three hundred twenty-two billion. Three hundred twenty-two billion. Your number doesn't oh change, God. though. You're still at a hundred million, and still a only one hundred million. I mean, that's just a teeny tiny fraction of all the money that's being spent out there. And what I thought was especially intriguing and just powerful to me to show you the degree to which this discrimination is intentional was when you had the discussion around the fact that when BET was black owned, we were getting the black wages, right? But as soon as it was sold to Viacom, all of a sudden the money goes to Viacom that wasn't given to the black to the comp the very same company when it was black owned. You know, I think people really need to understand what's going on here. This is intentional disenfranchisement of black owned companies in terms of being able to fully fund them in a way that would allow them to be able to grow and flourish. Here's what we also know, and the third point I'll make really quickly is this: we all know that black people are the creators. <laughs> of creativity that the world craves. And all of my travels all around the world, the portion of black, the portion of American culture that the rest of the world loves and craves, not to mention Americans too, are the things that we created. So the fact that you have black people being used and you know our talents, our abilities, our creativity is being used and monetized for white owned companies that are targeting their wares to black people. But when black owned companies try to lift up our voices, our creativity, our genius, we're getting slave wages. That's a problem with that. That's a real problem with that. And so I'm hoping that people will understand the gravity of this conversation. What this is saying is that they want our genius, but they don't want to pay quote unquote massa, but refuse to pay us. This is why uh, Omicongo, when we were in Tulsa, uh, they had the, the, the Tulsa Basket Commission, that was a city commission, they had this uh, economic uh, summit that was supposed for black people. And they had all these sponsors, I'm gonna try to find it in a second, and we, we discussed it on our show, and it was all these sponsors. And our first thing I said was, Omicongo, how many of these sponsors actually are supporting black-owned businesses? Don't sit here and be the sponsor of a summit if you ain't spending money with black people because you ain't practicing what you supposedly are preaching. And I said, you got to call these people out. I told the black owned media in, uh, in uh, Oklahoma, you got to call them out. And, and here's the deal. Let me be real clear on the Congo. Those businesses that we have engaged in conversations with, I'm going to publicly give you credit for that. Those companies that sign deals with us, I am going to say you are supporting black owned media. But what I'm not going to do is give folks a pat on the back who, who issue a press release and then expect me to call it a transformational, wonderful, amazing plan. I told General Motors directly, hey, I will praise you when y'all cut the check. <laughs> but you ain't cut the check. Go ahead. That's right. It, it's like uh, the great philosopher uh, Memphis Bleak said, uh, don't check for me unless you got a check for me. Right At the end of the day, these guys have to put up or shut up. We've seen the statements of supporting Black Lives Matter. We've seen the statements of we value diversity and the like. But where where is the money? We're talking about ownership. We're talking about legacies. And to have these conversations about hundreds of millions versus billions of dollars 
it is high time that whether we're talking about people who run media entities like you, whether we're talking about our, our celebrities who are on these networks as well, whether we're talking about our musicians, whoever, we have to be at a point right now that we need to say, we need to do more. You need to start putting your money where your mouth is and stop looking at us as just as objects to build up your own wealth. And quite honestly, we in our own community, we have to smarten up right now. We have these conversations that you two are having and that you have on a daily basis. We in our own spheres, whatever platforms we have, we have to do what we can do to, to maximize the level number of people who are hearing this because the average cat on the street doesn't know this. And they don't understand that we're being taken advantage of. So we have to keep calling them out. And once they see that we're starting to wise up, to really start to understand that you only value our bodies. Look what's happening with, with our sister in the, uh, in, in the hammer throwing competition, right? People are saying, just shut up and play. And she's like, no, I'm an, I'm an activist. I'm, I, you know, I'm more than that. Once they, we start doing that in large numbers and speaking up, these companies are gonna, ha gonna have to come around. And if we don't do it, they're going to keep undervaluing us. And so we really have to step up this campaign to make sure that that money is coming to us because this is about legacy. This is about ownership. This is about reducing that wealth gap. And we can't do it if we keep playing footsie with these guys. Like you said, we got to call them out. We can't just say, oh, we're just happy that you showed up at our event. We're just happy that you put up a, a flyer or a poster. We need more. We need partnerships. And that's what you're doing, Roland. Coca-Cola and the like, you're talking partnerships. And we need that right now more than talk. Yeah. And, and, and I'm, I'm going to go to Michael, then I'm going to go to Michael, then I'm going to close out with Todd. Uh, and Michael, this is why I need all the people who follow us on social media to comment on those posts on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on Instagram, on Fanbase. So those companies see 100, 200, 300 responses, people liking uh, those items as well. This is what we have to do because. Again, this goes directly. I'm just going to get just real straight. Michael, the people need to understand something. It, but people need to realize this here. Is this here? Is, uh, is Michael still there, folks? I'm not, I'm not seeing Michael. Okay, there he is. There he is. Okay. So, th so th this is the thing that Michael, you people understand. I was a contributor at CNN for six years. That meant I was paid. When you turn on MSNBC and CNN and they have these contributors or analysts, they're getting paid by the networks. Well, if we're able to generate more money, I can actually pay folks on our panel. They can actually get paid, which means they're also supporting their families. See, that's what I think people don't get. We're trying to connect the dots here for people to realize that there is a multi-billion dollar system, an ecosystem of advertising and media that exists that we are helping to fund that we're not getting any, that we're getting little money back. And they're sitting there just cashing and making billions off of our support. And then I got black folks saying, oh, why, why, why you have to go through all of this? Because please show me another damn way that exists because Todd knows you, we, we have presented numerous proposals, numerous. One company that reached out to us today, we reached out to nine months ago. Nah, we don't really buy news shows. But then when I called them out, now they want to talk to us. Well, guess what? I guess the damn call out works. Well, you know, first of all, fascinating conversation. <clears throat> and uh, I don't want to take too much time away from uh, your, your closeout with Todd, because I pr pretty much co-signed with everything that uh, my fellow panelists said. I, I have a question, if you don't mind, 
rolling for Todd, if you don't mind. Yeah, me. go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Hey, hey, Todd, have you done any kind of market research? Because clearly as fascinating as this conversation is, how many people, particularly in the black community, know that BET is now not black owned? No, obviously, I know a lot of people know that, oh, Bob and Sheila Johnson made a lot of money on a sale. But those are people that may kind of either be in the business or, or just understand that that happened. But how many average Joe folks know that BET is not owned by black people? Well, Mr. Brown, I think you said a couple things there that are important. One is we have been socialized from claiming things from our block that we rent on to our street, to our hood, uh, to claiming BET as, as an equity owner. And I think Mr. Johnson and, 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 and Sheila made $3 billion. That was great unless they should have made $15 billion. So I'm happy to go from whatever number they were to three billion. Uh, I think largely this is not a matter of research uh, or, or, or awareness. We know these things. We just don't want to process it because we can identify and connect with the shine and not have to process the abuse. So we're talking about a third of a trillion dollar industry. And we're talking about blacks largely being erased from it other than employees, and window dressing. And we're talking about a conversation which has everything to do with cover, which black employees give, and I used to be an employee of, of Comcast and Viacom and other big media companies. But the world shifted when I went into the black space because then you really start to see what the reality is. The reality is, is that we don't have an ability other than our call on our com community to stop the behavior that's, that's participating in our own demise. And so that's the big conversation. What we get distracted at is diversity, inclusion, BIPOC, minorities, dinners. Uh, matter of fact, one of our, and I say this every time I'm on, one of our large partners asked me, what gives you the right to launch an HBCU League Pass for sports, bands, gaming, and culture? Did the UNCF give you permission to have the audacity to do that? Because we give our money to the UNCF. So I ask them, when you're talking to other groups, do you get permission from their advocacy groups in order for them to launch their business? The short answer is no. So we have to get out of this uncomfortable conversation of awareness into this conversation of, of putting a light on where the issue is and forcing this uncomfortable conversation where we get out of the diversity, inclusion, dinner buying, and, and those people in the advocacy groups who are in the position to give cover for this crime, they need to be exposed as well. And, and, and I see here with the Democratic National uh, Committee, they're also guilty of this. You know, we had the same conversation at all levels of media, which I think is impactful and uncomfortable because no one is standing up and saying, stop it, do the right thing by our community. And by the way, giving us a job is completely different than giving us an opportunity to create jobs for our community. Thank you. So, so, so to everybody out there understand, uh, we're, I'm gonna be posting every single company that took an ad out in on the BET Awards. I'm gonna post those images on all my social media and I'm asking the question. And this, this, is, this is what I asked, very simple, uh, uh, to each one of them, and this is the language you'll see it, is what is your annual Black-owned media spend have you made a commitment to join other companies in making a specific spin with black owned media? 
who is your ad agency and are you holding that agency accountable and making them work with not black targeted companies, but black owned? Those are the questions that I, and then I'm saying Roland Martin on the folks representatives will be reaching out to you tomorrow to get answers to these questions. That's what we're doing. And that's, and we want to get those answers. Todd Brown, brother, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Tell folks uh, where, they, where they can download uh, the HBCU app. Yes, well, HBCU League Pass is available on all streaming platforms, a Apple, Roku, Android, Apple TV, everywhere you can get a streaming signal, you can download HBCU League Pass. We're going, we're going to be the premier source for live games, bands, sporting, talk, and gaming. We believe HBCUs need the opportunity to, to, to have their experience in the lexicon as opposed to just when you get a chance to physically live be there. That's what we're about. We're about bringing that energy and you can get us on all streaming platforms. All right then, Todd Brown, we still appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you, sir. Folks, got to go to a break. When we come back on Roller Martin Unfiltered, we'll talk with Dr. Ebony Hilton about this new COVID variant and why you must not play games, folks, and stay vigilant when it comes to your mask, keeping your hands clean. Yeah, we're not out of the wilderness yet. You're watching Roller Martin Unfiltered. We'll be back in a moment. I believe that people our age have lost the ability to focus the, the discipline on the art of organizing. The challenges, there's so many of them and they're complex and we need to be moving to address them. But I'm able to say, watch out, Tiffany. I know this road. That is so freaking dope. <laughs> Hello, I'm Nina Turner. My grandmother used to say, all you need in life are three bones. The wishbone to keep you dreaming, the jawbone to help you speak truth to power, and the backbone to keep you standing through it all. I'm running for Congress because you deserve a leader who will stand up fearlessly on your behalf. Together, we will deliver Medicare for all. Good jobs that pay a living wage and bold justice reform. I'm Nina Turner, and I approve this message. George Floyd's death hopefully put another nail in the coffin of racism. You talk about awakening America, it led to a historic summer of, of protest. I hope our younger generation don't ever forget that nonviolence is soul force. Right. What's up? This is Aldous Hodge, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Hey, everybody, it's your girl Sherry Shepard, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Hey, Rowan. This is Tim Story, director of Shaft. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. What up, y'all? This is Method Man, Mighty Wu Tang Clan. You're watching Uncle Roland Martin, and the show is unfiltered. Make sure y'all tune in. Laura Ingram, you suck. I believe that. All right, yeah. folks. Uh, now, there's a, a there's a new COVID variant that is causing significant problems all across the country, which means you've got to stay vigilant. The, the White House uh, is trying their best to warn people of that. Joining us right now is Dr. Ebony Hilton, 
of course. Uh, she's been on the show many times with the University of Virginia anesthesiologist. Uh, glad to have her back as she is trying to get her Twitter account verified as best as possible. And so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help her out, y'all. She was sort of complaining earlier. And she mentioned all of these media outlets she's been on, CBS, oh, NPR, and, and USA Today. And I'm kind of like, well, you might get, you might get your check mark. You mentioned you would roll them out on filter. But I'm just saying. I did say, your name is right. You know what? And see, this is why y'all see how he does me every single time. How are you rolling? I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> You look like you're tanned. You've been out. You've been huh? out. You you look like you're tanned. Well, you've been out. Uh, you, you, you you know you know I'm not afraid of the heat like you are. Yeah, yeah. If, if y'all y'all follow her Twitter feed, y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> she's she, 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 she's afraid to get uh, a little toasty. All right. <laughs> Let's get like, when I say it was it was hot, it was it was hot as Hades outside. I tried to go outside and work out. I almost passed out. I almost passed out. <laughs> you done? Yes. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about this COVID variant. Uh, <laughs> stuff is opening up. Folks are running around. Uh, they think uh, it is the world is uh, is just wide open. And you you keep saying, man, y'all better settle the hell down and stay vigilant. What's up? Settle down. I mean, so we know the, the how where were you to start? The CDC changed our mask guidance over, it seems like a month and a half ago now. And I do, and I said immediately, I think this is very premature. One, because they were basing it on data, real life data, um, that was largely based on what was happening in Israel. And what we know is that Israel, by April the 3rd or 4th, had over 60% of their entire population vaccinated. We still aren't to 60% today. Um, and even with them getting that to April the 3rd or 4th, they didn't lift their mask mandate until April the 18th. They still said we still need to be vigilant and get as many people as possible vaccinated before we say, okay, maybe we can take off our mask. And guess who's now stepping back on that? Well, those very same countries because of the Delta variant. The Delta variant, if we go back, we had the UK variant, that's the alpha variant. We had the beta. That's a South African. We had the um, gamma that's down in actually in South America. And now we have the Delta variant. And the, the difference between the UK variant and Delta variant is that the Delta variant can actually evade the immune system, meaning that it's, it makes our vaccines, although, yes, our vaccines are still effective in keeping you most likely alive, that we're seeing more people actually get sick, though. Um, and, and to give an example, I have a friend who she was received her last dose of um, Pfizer vaccine on February 12th. Her husband actually was fully vaccinated back in January because he's a healthcare worker. Um, and she traveled for work and unfortunately picked up COVID-19, um, likely on an airplane going to Atlanta, Georgia, um, but picked up COVID-19 the first week of June. And she presented with chest pain um, that she had to go to the emergency department because she was in such discomfort, lost her taste, lost of smell. And she infected her husband five days later he started to have symptoms and now he has achy joints and both of them had COVID positive tests so this is not just symptoms but this is literally confirmed testing so we cannot lose our guard or, or think that we have control over this thing yet the virus is continuously trying to outsmart us and we have to be two steps ahead which means until our numbers are down until we see our cases literally go down to zero, like they do in New Zealand, right? Um, we got to 
keep our masks, wash your hands, don't go into these large crowds, to these concerts that I'm seeing pop up everywhere. Uh, we're going to really go into this fall in a very precarious situation. Okay, so okay, so if we've been vaccinated, but we've been told, hey, you can take your mask off. You don't have to do these things. So what the hell? Now, Grant, a lot of airlines I flew, I've flown in the last eight days uh, to New York, to L.A., Chicago. The airlines to require you to wear your mask. Uh, but I can tell you, I can tell you, Ebony, uh. It was a lot of folks rolling up on me in Chicago, no mask, LA, no mask. Folks are having events. Very few people are walking around uh, with masks. I don't see folks with a Perel or they big hand sanitizer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's what that's what's happening. And what we're what we're seeing is that although again, people have to realize what we report nationally as far as numbers can mean absolutely nothing in your neighborhood because what we're seeing U.S. cases, yes, they're down, but. They're up by 68% in Oklahoma, up by 45% in Missouri, 42% in Arizona. And it's all because if you're looking at where vaccine uptake is higher, we're seeing that those cases are staying pretty well in the Northeast, doing pretty well. But down South, where you're struggling to get people vaccinated in Alabama, for instance, we're seeing the COVID cases number go up. And then what I, what I urge the CDC and the World Health Organization to do is to be transparent to say, yes, Vaccines do a fantastic job at keeping you alive, but that is not the only consequence of COVID-19. We know there are many people who have survived COVID-19 who now can have difficulty walking a full block around the neighborhood and they're 30, 40 years old. They should be able to do that. We have people with, who have survived COVID-19 who now have COVID brain where they can't hold a, a string of thoughts. So they have, um, basically a severe form of just attention deficit. Um, and that's one of my friends, she has now word finding difficulties. We have people who are survivors of COVID-19 who now have chronic pain issues. Their back and their joints are hurting. That's where her husband now has. Um, and it's only been for three weeks and I'm hoping that that will subside and that their, their symptoms will get a little bit better. But it's been three weeks of them having chest pain. Um, it's been three weeks of them having joint pains and the thought is, when will this end? I have another uh, mentee. She's in her 20s. She was infected with COVID-19 in January, and she still to this day cannot taste or smell. Now, what does that mean? Well, we now have studies out of Stanford that shows that people who have died from COVID-19 who weren't necessarily coming into the hospital because of neurologic deficits, but when they did an autopsy, their brains are resembling those of persons with Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease. And I talked to you about this last year. Before we had studies to show it, my question was, what are the long-term consequences of people who say I lost my taste and smell? That means that it, it infected your brain cells. There has to be something that's linked to that. Um, yeah, and so it's just simply not worth the risk of going to a concert without a mask on and having fun for two hours if it means for the rest of your life you're going to have this string of impairment. So. All right, then. Well, Dr. Ebony Hilton, it's always great, great to have you on the show. Uh, when you headed back to Charleston, South Carolina. Next month. Uh, next month. Well, let's stop consulting so we can help save the world. No, I'm just joking. Yeah, I have a business meeting. So. All right. Well, I'm going to be uh, actually um, uh, there, I think, July 8th through the 11th. So um, what, uh, I'm going to. Uh, huh? Golfing? Yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be teeing up with my man Darius Rucker. 
So uh, we're going to hit a little golf. So I'll. I just want to know if Reese, I mean, did Black Woman Views, we're going to be on Twitter to ask about were we invited to this? We've been promised resorts. We've been promised. Um, no, no, no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me correct something. You have not been promised. You, you have suggested that I somehow, somewhere, someday yeah. uh, in real life, which I think is imaginary, said I was going to give y'all all expense paid uh, a respite at a resort. Uh, but you clearly, you clearly had an edible. No, 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 I don't do no, no, sir. <laughs> do a hair down. I don't do trust, but what I do do is show up and I will show up on a golf course and we will have this resort. So I thank you in advance and may God bless you. Mm -hmm. Y'all love throwing God in there. All right. <laughs> Everybody, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Y'all have a good one. All right. Thanks a lot. All right, folks, let's go to our next story here. Uh, uh, Michael uh, Omakongo and Avis. And this is pretty interesting. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about uh, a report that was done. Well, the collective pack said they did polling that was done by a black owned firm, uh, Dr. Cohen Belcher, that said black people were against defund the police. Now, Terrence Woodbury hit strategies has a report that shows uh, black folks' view on defunding the police and police reform. It's a little different. Uh, Terrence Jones is right now. Is Terrence there? Hey, right, Roland, Terrence, how's how you going? doing? How's it going, brother? Thanks for having me on. All right, then. So we're going to ask you some questions here. We've got Michael Brown, Omakongo Dominga, Dr. Avis Jones, DeWeaver. And so we're going to uh, chat about this here. So uh, let's talk about this, uh, this polling data. You've been spending lots of time out in the field talking to black folks. And Democrats have been saying, oh, they've been getting killed. People don't want against uh, defund the police, even black folks. But you say that's not necessarily true. That's exactly right, Roland. Uh, you know, attitudes about policing and defund have been evolving in the black community since 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 last summer, since the summer of unrest, when we really saw folks taken to the streets to express uh, frustration after George Floyd. And for the first time, uh, our recent polling of uh, Black Track poll, a poll that we conduct every month, shows 53% of Black people support defunding the police. And even more interesting is when we ask if they supported uh, reallocating resources away from the police and overhauling police, 67% support. And this is across all groups, rolling across Black men, Black women, under 50, over 50, even Black conservatives a majority of black conservatives say that they support reallocating resources away from the police and, uh, and, and, and overhauling. And so I think it is, it, it, it's incumbent upon Democrats now to figure out how they're, going to, how they're going to start talking about this, and even more important, how they're going to start getting it done. Is that because black people know what defund the police is, they understand the difference, uh, and they're not falling for uh, the okie doke from uh, Republicans. Is that what the difference here is? Well, that see, that's a part of the problem here, Roland, is that we are allowing Republicans to define. Activists have done a very good job. Organizations like Campaign Zero, Color of Change, uh, and Black Lives Matter Global Network have done a very good job of, of, of redefining defund so that Black people do not uh, think that the, on, that, 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 that the only outcome is abolishing the police. But at this point, the Democratic Party really has to lean into this. Now that their most loyal voters um, are evolving on this issue and are saying that this is what they, what they expect, then it's now incumbent on Democrats to figure out which elements of defund are actually appealing to people um, and to start redefining, re redefining this issue. 
the fact of the matter is, Roland, defund is going to be with defund is going to be a huge part of the 2022 cycle. Uh, we already see Republicans uh, in races like the congressional race in, in New Jersey too, uh, beginning to lean into uh, uh, and 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 paint um, Democrats as as anti-police. So if Democrats ignore this, or even worse, begin to treat our activists like they are our opposition, then it doesn't mean that the community that 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 the community doesn't hear about defund. It means they're only hearing about it from Republicans. Uh, Michael Brown. Terrence, I understand the great work you're doing. Congratulations, by the way, on, on hit strategies. Um, you know, in polling, uh, and uh, as a former elected official, you know, poll, obviously we rely on polling quite a bit. Um, why do you think there's such a dichotomy between a whole lot of folks that seem to say, yeah, defund the, the police, and then people that say, oh, absolutely not. We need police to protect our neighborhoods. There's just such a difference. Why do you think that is? Because it's so strange to see some. I mean, it's one thing if it was you know, one or two or even five point difference, but this is a major gap, yeah. depending on which pollster, obviously, you talk to. That's right, Michael. And frankly, even depending on when you talk to them, this polling has changed um, drastically since the last time we asked the question. And I want to point out a couple of things because I think you're asking, you're raising the right questions here. One is that, you know, when we say 53% of black people support defunding the police, that means almost half of black people don't, right? That's, that, that, that's, that's the other side of that coin. And so this is a trend line that we see moving, but it does not mean that all black people want to defund the police. In fact, it means that half of them do not want to defund the police. The second thing I think is important is, is you know, is the, the timestamp of, uh, of when we're asking this question. Um, another question that we, that we asked during this poll was, uh, was whether or not uh, uh, the police treatment of black people and minorities was improving since the Chauvin trial. And 58, 56% of black people said that it has not improved and they don't expect uh, um, police, police treatment of black people to improve post the trial. And so I think that what we're beginning to see is a frustration uh, with, with the system, but also, you know, th this is all ha these things aren't happening in a vacuum. Right. The, the attitudes about defunding the police are also happening in a uh, in a context where we see increase in crime and violence. So in the same poll where a majority of black people say that they want uh, that they support defunding the police. When we ask them in the same poll, what were the top issue priorities for their community? We see gun violence and crime rising as a higher priority, even than uh, than criminal justice reform. And this is new, you know, crime and violence is not, has not been a top three or top five issue in the black community in quite a while here. And so to see violence and crime rising above healthcare during a pandemic, rising above criminal justice reform, it really does show the, the, the nuance and the uh, diversity within the, within the opinions of the black community. Thank you, Terrence. Omakongo. Thank you very much for, for, for the work that, that you're doing in, in this space. And we've been talking this whole show about honoring Black voices and Black partnerships in corporate spaces. So as we move over to the political side, do you feel like these politicians, Democrat, Republican, are listening to the voices of, of hit strategies and the work that, that you're doing? Are they taking Black pollsters seriously? Has it started to change? Where do we stand with that? 
Uh, you know, we still have a lot of work to do. And if they are listening uh, to us tonight, then then someone from from the party is going to give us a call because defund is the single biggest issue that I believe we must solve in, uh, moving into this next election cycle. It is a, uh, a tool, a weapon that has been, I'm sorry, a term that has been weaponized uh, by the right and that we need to, that we now need to reclaim. Um, but, but, you know, I mean, there's still significant work to be done here. Um, black, black voters remain very optimistic and even very supportive of the Democratic Party. We see folks, we see Joe Biden reaching uh, 86% approval, Kamala Harris at 78%, and Democrats even at 81%. You know, Joe Biden is nearing Obama level uh, job approval here. You know, Obama was, was at 94, 95%. So to see Biden really hitting that, um, hit, hitting, hitting marks this high, I think it shows a level of trust and even a, a, um, a cautious optimism in the black community. But, but that's also, that, that, is, that, is, that is in the context of, uh, of an economic crisis that is affecting black folks in the context of, uh, of, of increased crime and violence and in the context of, of them still demanding pretty significant and swift action on criminal justice. So uh, the, the optimism and the support is there but it's, it, it is broader than it is deep, and, and Democrats have a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. All right, Avis. Um, hi there. So I have a question about the specifics of unpacking the definition of that question on your survey, because I heard that you said that you asked about opinions around defunding, and then I heard you also ask about opinions around reallocating. I was wondering if you had another question on your survey where it just straight up asked people, what do they think defund the police means and provided a wide range of options so that we can really get a sense of how people unpack it. Because unfortunately, I really don't think it's quite as clear to the populace as we like to think it is. You're absolutely right, Avis, it's not clear. And that's a part of what what, uh, the left has to do now. It's a part of what Democrats have to do is is to begin defining this. You know, the, the fact of the matter is there are a lot of elements within uh, the defund movement, the defund platform that are quite popular to the general public. Things like, uh, you know, investing in social service, um, uh, uh, um, nonviolent first responders, conflict mediation. These are all elements of of, of the defund movement, demilitarization, uh, training in, in uh, um, in, in less lethal use of force. These are all elements of the of the defund platform that are actually quite popular amongst the general public, not just black people and not just Democrats, but amongst the general public. And this is where Democrats have to stop saying, um, have to have to find a better response here than uh, being against defund, than, than, than treating our activists like opposition and start saying what they are for, um, especially when we can prove when there are, when we can show proof points around the country of how these these policies have actually made people safer and you just don't see this on the right you know you you don't see republicans treating pro-life activists or pro-gun activists like they are their opposition in fact they are their greatest asset and so as long as as long as democrats have this rub with our activists then we are uh we're not we're not harnessing the the uh, the most energy that that we have in the party and and that's going to a lot of that is going to 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 hinge on how we address this issue. All right, then, uh, Terrence Wilberry. Folks are asking, they want to be able to see the results of this. Where can they actually go read it for themselves? Absolutely. Please follow us at 
hitstrat dot I'm sorry at hitstrat on Twitter or on, on our website hitstrat.com. Uh, and also you can find answers to Avis's question there about how folks are defining defund. All right then. Terrence Weber, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Roland. Talk to you soon. All right, folks, got to go to a break. We come back. A recap of the first weekend of Essence Festival 2021. It was virtual. You had some great performances. We'll be talking with uh, the top editor at Essence, Corey Murray. That's next. Roland Martin Unfiltered. White supremacy ain't just about hurting black folk. Right. You got to deal with it. It's injustice. It's wrong. I do feel like in this generation, we've got to do more around being intentional and resolving conflict. You and I have always agreed. Yeah. But we agree on the big piece. Yeah. Our conflict is not about destruction. Conflict's going to happen. Every time the life of an unarmed black man is cut short by police violence, we're outraged. When it happened here, I said enough is enough. Not as a state senator, but as the mother of a black son. I led Ohio's first bipartisan community police task force to stop racial profiling and address police brutality. We established standards for accountability, hiring, and use of force. I'm Nina Turner, and I approve this message to be a voice for change. Before Till's murder, we saw struggle for civil rights as something grown-ups did. I feel that the generations before us have offered a, a lot of instruction. Organizing is really one of the only things that gives me the sanity and makes me feel purposeful. When Emmett Till was murdered, yeah. that's what attracted our attention. Kirsten Cinema. I found the time to train and run the Boston Marathon. I think it'll be the most emotional run of my entire life. I found the time to train and complete the Ironman competition in New Zealand. And almost a dozen other races. And I had plenty of time to summit Mount Kilimanjaro. But I just couldn't find the time to come to Washington, do my job, and vote for the January 6th Commission to investigate the domestic terrorist attack on the U.S. Capitol. Kirsten Cinema, Bad for Arizona. Bad for America. Let's get a real Democratic senator in Arizona. Back to Roland Martin Unfiltered. This weekend was the 2021 Essence Festival. It was virtual, like, as it was last year. Folks, a lot of stuff happened. First of all, it kicked off on Friday, went from Friday, Saturday, Sunday. A uh, lot of performances, a lot of things happening. First off, uh, guest appearances, Israel Houghton, Lucky Day, Jasmine Sullivan. Uh, they had a great conversation with my man D Nice as well. Here is a recap of some of the performances right here.
Folks, uh, you can go to Essence.com, EssenceStudios.com and see all three days of the festival. Joining us right now is Corey Murray. She's the deputy editor uh, for Essence Magazine. Corey, what's happening? Nothing much in you. Uh, glad to see you. We, we, we saw each other at the Dick Gregory screening, Tribeca Film Festival yes, uh, in New York, uh, Saturday before last. So uh, obviously it's, it's a little bit different. Uh, experience, experience, essence, uh, experience, essence, uh, virtual. But the reality is, the show must go on. Uh, and yes, so, 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 take folks through uh, the process of of putting all of this together uh, to have this three day experience over two weekends. Well, thank you for having me, Roland. Uh, so, like a lot of big major festivals, we all had to pivot and shift as COVID continued to, you know, wreak havoc, if you will, unfortunately, uh, on a lot of our outside plans. But as we were coming into the 2021, and especially as people, you know, started getting vaccinated, you know, restrictions were lifting a little bit. We were like, well, how can we bring the spirit of New Orleans to the virtual audience? Um, we went down, had several meetings with Mayor Cantrell's office, the city of New Orleans, to see how can we activate down in New Orleans proper and still be safe. And so the plan we came up with is instead of, you know, unfortunately we could not be in the Superdome or the convention center. So we decided to find about four outside venues 
for proper ventilation. And then we invited essential workers of New Orleans and then some, a few other special guests to really keep the audience small, but curated in that we really wanted to say thank you to a city that has been a home for us for upwards of 27 years. So that's how we looked at it. But then, you know, when you sh showed that beautiful clip with Jasmine Sullivan, not all of our headliners and artists could come down to New Orleans when we were taping. So while we were able to uh, film Tank in New Orleans down at the Lake Fun Arena, we, we uh, filmed Jasmine Sullivan in her Philadelphia hometown, which, you know, was beautiful. So this year, you know, obviously the aesthetic of whether you're on a stage or having a studio performance, we wanted to give our audience a little bit of variation, and, you know, and to have that feeling of what it's like to be there. And then, of course, revving up to be fully back together in 2022. And uh, and obviously that, that was the performances. But then, of course, you also uh, still had, uh, you know, normally if we were at uh, in New Orleans at the convention center, you have the empowerment stage where you have your panels and things along those lines. Some of them issue were virtual, but you still also did some stuff uh, that you also shot there as well. I caught uh, a little bit over the weekend uh, of the conversation with Amanda Nice. Yes. So that was another thing that we wanted to do. And it's, and again, those were for the audiences for essential workers, but yes, it was these beautiful airstreams we had. I was at St. Augustine's football field, which was, you know, made me nostalgic for my high school days, but more importantly was the conversation I was able to have with D-Nice and Angela Yee about pursuing your passion. And the big takeaway I had there is, you know, D-Nice was telling his story and I didn't know that once things kind of, um, you know, slowed down for him as a hip hop artist, he started designing websites for people. Yep, like he yep. designed, yeah, like Alicia Keys first album for Albert's Pack and whatever. So he had kept working. But, you know, fast forward to now we all love and adore him for club quarantine. You know, he looked at me. He said, listen, my he said, no one could have ever said this. I am a 50 year old DJ. That's what I am. And he was like, and look at the life I have right now. And that really stuck with me. So it's like, you know, it's like, don't ever count yourself out no matter what your age. Um, but yes, that was a conversation that we had right there in New Orleans. And, you know, D-Nice has been such a friend to the brand. He's DJed a number of parties for us before club parent, parent quarantine. And now um, we were able to have a little small set, just a little one at Howlin' Wolf. Um, and that was presented by Coca-Cola. So he did a DJ, a 30 minute DJ set for us. And Roland, I got to tell you, even with just maybe, I think it was maybe 40 people that were in there masked up. Um, still, when he hit Before I Let Go by Beyonce, well, the remix, the remix by Beyonce, we all, you know, got together safely and did that electric slide. So it felt just like um, Essence Fest all over again. So one of the things that, uh, so it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And so now the second weekend is going to take place this weekend. So uh, what you got planned? Well, of course, you know, we got to do another one with DJ Khaled and friends. He's coming up next weekend. Um, so excited for that. We have Neo. We have A. Marie, who's going to do a, a, you know, who we taped a performance again back at Highland Wolf. And of course, we have a lot more conversations that we have, a lot of previews and new shows, cast coming. And then something I'm very uh, excited about, and, you know, not to be a plug, but I was able to talk to Robin Roberts about her new show that she has called The Turning Tables with Robin Roberts. So, and again, we're going to have some other rich conversations for our wealth empowerment stage as well as Beauty Carnival, and of course, another revisit of our gospel stage on Sunday. 
So again, so Friday, let's go for times because a lot of folks only look sure. at for performances six to 10, but y'all actually had stuff uh, in the daytime uh, panels that were taking place as well. Yes, we were. So on Friday uh, from six to 10 is the beauty carnival. And then you can on Saturday from 10 to about one is our wealth empowerment. Um, and then we take a break and then you come back for um, entertainment access, which is usually between three and six, take a small break. And then at seven o'clock, the evening concert series begins. And then on Sunday is a full day of Get Lifted. And I also can't forget our Girls United After Dark series that we do on Friday night as well. All right, then. All right. Well, Corey, we appreciate it. Uh, we'll definitely be checking it out. Uh, we have been partnering Coca-Cola to push as many folks as possible uh, to watch the streams. We've been running uh, uh, SS throwback videos and photos every day on the show. And we're going to be uh, doing that uh, all throughout uh, this week and this weekend as well. Uh, and, 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 that, and and so last point, last point uh, this year, uh, last year, you guys streamed everything on your YouTube, your Facebook channel, but this year you have it just on essence.com and essencestudios.com, right? No, we also have it on our Facebook page. Okay. Um, okay. yeah, yeah. You also have it on your Facebook, on our Facebook page. So if people, so if people go to essencestudios.com, uh, is there, is there still a sign up they got to go through as well for that? Yes, but what's great about Essence, especially for the stuff that just happened this past weekend, it's already kind of pre-packaged. So once you sign in, that quick sign in, then you can go down and see the stages that you want, and then you can watch the full show. But if you want just those, like, you know, that Tank performance, if you just want to see Tank, I would head over to Essence.com or on our Facebook page, and you can just pick and kind of curate your own playlist of what you want to see. But EssenceStudios.com right. has them all. All right. Sounds great. Uh, Corey, thank you so very much. Uh, always good to see you. Uh, good to and, see you. Uh, and I can't wait when we're actually back in person uh, in New Orleans because it's always a great time uh, every July. I can't wait to see you up on that stage, Roland. Well, you know, we're going to have, you know, next, and of course, and next year, you know, we got, we got to crack out the white linen suit. So, you know, we got to do it right if we're going to be in New Orleans with the heat. That's right. <laughs> All right. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. All right, folks, as I said, we've been showing y'all the various throwback moments. And so here is another Essence Festival throwback moment presented by Coca-Cola. Lance Gross, what's up, man? How you doing, man? I'm enjoying this Essence Fest. I love New Orleans. Yeah, but I see you got shades on 11.30 in the morning. Yes, I got one hour of sleep. It's my birthday today, so I got an excuse. Oh, birthday today? Today. Oh, you're going to be turned up tonight. Yeah, yeah, I was turned up last night. <laughs> <laughs> you having fun this weekend, man? Oh, yeah, absolutely. A lot of good music, a lot of good people. This is like a, a family reunion where you get to connect with people you haven't seen in a while, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Well, absolutely. What you working on? Uh, right now, I'm we're, we're about to go back to film the third season of Star. Also, I'm still working on MacGyver, and I got the Bobby Brown story coming out September 4th and 5th on BET. All right, then, yeah. man. It sounds good. What's up? I'm Lance Gross, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. <laughs>
All right, folks, as I said, this weekend, this weekend, you can catch the second weekend of the Essence Festival 2021 beginning Friday, taking place Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then next Monday, we'll have a recap as well. All right, y'all. Uh, Rich Dennis is the owner of Essence Magazine. When he bought it, he returned it back to being a black-owned company, uh, and we caught up with him. This is our second throwback. Uh, where we caught up with him uh, the year after uh, he bought it, talking about what it meant for Essence to return to being a black owned media company. You have been on a treadmill set on 12.0 yeah. this whole week. Yes, sir. It's, uh, but you know, it's been lovely. It's been, we're, we're here fighting for a cause and a purpose and we're delivering against that. And so it's worth it. So you can you can yank it up to 13, but only for a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I was seeing you. You're like, OK, OK, yeah. I got gotcha. you. OK, hold on. OK, gotcha. So, so, I mean, this, but this is a new experience for you. Uh, very new experience. You know, it's it's not too long ago. I was selling soap in the parking lot across from the convention center, you know, uh, to now to now having to 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 go through all of this and be a part of all of this. It's just. I mean, you can't you can't ask for more than this type of dream to come through, and then to be able to share that with everybody, right? And to be able to take that dream and invest it back so that other people can can live out theirs as well. So, so it's been good. But when did that hit you? You the story you just said. You come in here like a bunch of the folks you see here. Yep. They just trying to get their hustle on. They they got t-shirts and oils in the hats, yep. and they just trying to make it happen. Yep. And then go, whoa, yeah. whoa. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, it hits you at not at one moment, right? It's it's like all of the things that you have aspired to do. And when you start to do them and you realize and like, oh, you know, and then, you know, even just like standing here, right? Prior to this year, I'd never even been in a room where there was a <laughs> red carpet, <laughs> you know? So I'm like, okay, this is different, right? Um, but it, it's, it's those types of experiences. And then that triggers in, hey, you know, now the responsibility is to, is to share this experience right? and to make sure that we're enabling way, way, way more people to move from that parking lot to come into this room and to be able to talk to you. Last question. I saw the email. I woke up this morning. I see the email. Uh, and again, as a content creator, I see this deal you guys announced with Queen Latifah. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, um, uh, it's very, it's, it's, it's very timely and it's also critically important. You know, we, we talk about owning our culture, right? And we talk about, um, creating wealth, for our community, right? And the, 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 most, the most valuable thing that we have left as a community, and the one thing that they can appropriate at times, they can misappropriate at times, but they can never take, is our culture. I, I, I gave an interview where I said, they would say, Roland, how could, when I ran Chicago Defender, yeah. Roland, but you know, the Sun Times, the Tribune, uh, and I said, let me be clear, they can never out-black me. No, they, 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 they cannot. And they can what, cover our stuff, but they can't out-black me. They can't out-black you. And, and what we have to do is monetize our culture, right? And so that's what that fund is about. That fund is about 
monetizing our culture, creating equity for our content creators, for our makers, so that they can have enough of a, uh, a base that they can reinvest in themselves and back into other young entrepreneurs that are that are content creators and that are makers and so so that's what that's about so we're, we're partnering with uh with queen latifah and shakem but we're going to have other partners and and, and we're going to talk uh, right now i want to go to comedian roy wood the last uh roy you there this thing how you feeling man what's up brother what's up going on yeah, the last couple last couple of years you've been the uh on stage host at ss festival yeah man i got a chance to get out there and do the damn thing i know they had lonnie love in that mix uh last year shout out to lonnie you know it's for it's about black women i'm all with a black woman being in that thing matter of fact that was the year I still came back and was able to do a little bit of stuff with uh, Coca-Cola and State Farm as well. So, you know, any excuse to be in New Orleans, whether I'm hosting or not, I don't care, man. I'm there. So you, so how many years were you the onstage uh, host? How many years? It was two. It was two. And then that third year I came back when Lonnie was hosting, but I was still doing stuff. So there was this weird assumption. And I'm like, no, Lonnie doing it. Because this is what people forget, man. The host there's an upside and downside to being the host of essence right and downside, what's the upside what's the downside go ahead go ahead I'll, I'll i'll give you downside first the downside to hosting essence is that there's so much moving and happening the entire night you get there at six o'clock for a concert that starts at seven that doesn't end until midnight and every 30 to 40 minutes there's something else so you miss most of the show you you can see parts of it you can see a third of whatever somebody's doing on stage because the, the beginning of it, you're doing something else. And the other end, you're waiting to get on stage. So it's it's hard to really see the show from the front, too. That's the other thing. Yeah, you got to see Bobby Brown, but you saw him like this for 40 minutes. You didn't get to see the show from the showroom. Upside to essence is that when you do sound check earlier during the day, you get to see all of the artists rehearse. And I was privy to the preparation process of so many legendary black musicians. And to be able, just as a fellow performer, to be able to just sit in the back of the Superdome at two in the afternoon and just watch Mary J. Blige go through her beats and see how the greatness is created. To see Solange go through those beats and see how it's created like that, that was worth it. Like I would, I didn't, don't tell Rich Dennis this, but I would have done it for free. Just <laughs> yeah, for no, that. No, no, do not tell Rich you would do anything for free. No, no, just no, say no. Uh, just say, just call it, call it a free bonus. <laughs> no, I, you ain't finna have me undercut Lonnie Love. Get Lonnie her money. I was, I, it's just that part of it was something that I didn't know I would appreciate. The only person that I didn't get to see rehearse was Janet Jackson because she did all her rehearsing next door at the um, at the Pelican Stadium. She didn't even yeah. step foot into the Superdome until it was go time. So that one I didn't get to see. But to see even the young artists versus the new artists, the background dancers and to be backstage and interact with all of these people on differing parts of their showbiz journey the only thing i can say comes close to that green to the talent green room in essence is showtime at the apollo where they tape a bulk of shows in one night so it's amateurs and vets and y'all all in the same green room are you been there under that stage that little tight ass room it's 
10, 15 different types of performers down there. And like that was always the part that I'll always appreciate about Essence was being able to see that. Only person I say was half ass on their rehearsal because they just know what they was going to do was Master P. <laughs> um, and actually, some people actually say it was reflected in the performance. So, see, I ain't say that. You said that. No, I, ain't said that I didn't. At all. No, seriously. The, I mean, I'm, no, no, I, I got no problem saying it. Uh, you know, Essence went toward these curated performances and it was really kicked off by, by uh, Diddy and Bad Boy, uh, where, where it was like tight, it was on schedule. The, the Master P one was sort of like, it was like a, a nice, a very good cake that was brought out sloppy with icing. I mean, it still tasted good. Oh, no. But, <laughs> but it just, the presentation just, it didn't win any awards. It, I mean, Master P ain't doing choreography. I think he also followed Solange that night. So I think that might have been part of the issue, too. And Solange is precise down to the exact latitude, longitude on the stage. But Master P is just... <laughs> so I think maybe it's different. It's like chocolate cake and spaghetti. They both delicious. But we have one right after the other. One of them going to taste gotcha. a little off. I got you. I got you. Now, 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 now sharing people this, I talk about this all the time that people really don't understand. They really don't understand um, the, the, the kind of black love you get at Essence. The average it's, person don't really understand that. It's the one thing I feel like everyone needs to go to. It's bigger than Mardi Gras in terms of people and revenue. It's bigger than any Super Bowl you can name in terms of people that descend upon what because it's a whole ass another group of people that ain't even inside the stadium that are there because of essence and just all well, of well, the first of all it's event. only the stadium only holds seventy thousand it's four hundred and it's four hundred thousand people who are in new orleans for the festival correct <laughs> so <And> yeah <laughs> It's, it's, I mean, if you can get a hotel room, definitely. Hell, even if you can't, just come down there and figure it out. But it is, it's like a wedding reception with a class reunion with a damn step show concert love. Like any beautiful event you can name, it's all of that rolled up into one. And it's just folks walking down, just no barking from the dog, no small. I remember Charlie Wilson night. Black folks was walking from the Superdome. Everybody had on their white linens. And it was just love. Like people in white. I saw people wearing all white, see other people in all white. And then they would all just walk in a group. And just as you walked along and saw other people in all white, they just walked with y'all. Like it's just, I don't even know what to compare it to. Like, you know, going to FAMU, the only thing I can really, that I even have perspective on is maybe, you know, a black college homecoming. You know, and I and I'll say this with all, you know, with all respect to the Magic City Classic, you know, from my home crib of Birmingham, but not even that compares. The Bayou Classic don't compare, but it has elements of all of those things, um, you know, and even for white folks, if we're going to keep it 100, come on down, bring your money, come get you some of this good ass culture. And it's <laughs> ain't nobody looking at nobody sideways. If you're in an interracial relationship, come on down. Ain't no judgment. Now, <laughs> bring now, bring now, your black now, boyfriend. 
<laughs> now, 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 Roy, Roy, I, I, I got a good second for you. Why you cut you. me off? Don't cut me off. No, bring no, your no, white no, girlfriend. No, 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 because when you brought that up, I got a great second because I, I actually, I actually did this, and I should, I should have, I should have done it. I should have shot this at Essence, but I'm gonna give it to you. I'm gonna give it to you. Okay. okay. And this is a perfect for one of those comedy central segments uh, you do. Sort of like the one we did at the convention uh, when I showed out. But we ain't going to talk about that. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. You showed me up with the pocket square <laughs> game. But, okay. I'm going to catch your ass one of these days. No, you're not. Uh, so so, so here's what I did. I, I, I had a photo. I had a photo of like three fine white women. And I would, I would, I would, I would go to brothers and I would say, is she fine enough for you to bring her to essence? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gonna give you that one. So imagine if yeah. imagine if you imagine if you had like three photos and said, okay, and is she and one of them I really messed up this one brother. It was a white woman in a Confederate flag bikini. Oh no, <laughs> you can't bring that to essence. You can't bring up. Look, all right. I take back everything I just said. It's not all love. It's not all barking from the dog. You will get your monkey mouth behind pushed into traffic on Canal Street if you walking around there with some damn Confederate flag, anything on. Anything on. Matter of fact, where you want them one them tennis hats and just wear it low. That's that's how you need to show up. But now nah, you ain't even had me coming on that. You ain't even had my black ass girlfriend. Somebody gonna send this to her and talk about why you was talking about white girls on with Roland Martin. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Amos Jones and we were just we had the chat. She goes, How the hell we get on white women? <laughs> I am in a happy home and me and my black ass girlfriend are happy and content, and you are not going to have me speculating on white women in Confederate bikinis on the way to the Charlie Wilson show. No, thank you. I'm just saying, y'all were bearing off into very dangerous territory. We was just talking about black colleges and homecoming, and then here you come. And then all of a sudden, white women. What? I said I had a good segment idea for Roy. The whole point is to have a funny segment, Avis. It's called loving. See? black women got to get a sense of humor, damn it. I'm just saying. He said. He said white women bring. He said white women bring your black boyfriends. <laughs> then he went and said, "Hang on, uh -oh. hey baby." <laughs> nah, that wasn't me talking about white women. That was rolling. <laughs> okay, All right, I love. I love you a lot. See? Told ya. Get me in trouble. Roy Wood Jr. <laughs> I always do see you. Uh, hey, what's uh, back, man? When you gonna bring Trevor to Essence? You know what, man? We gotta get that boy down. There. This would have been the year because the Daily Show. We just took the summer off until September, so we can uh, wow. we're gonna retool and reshape the show in September with a new look for late night. So this oh, would have cool. been the year. So maybe next year I'll bring him down there. All right, then. Well, I'm glad the only appearance I've made on Comedy Central. The Late Show has been on the Roy Wood Jr. segment when he was at the Democratic National Convention. Y'all got to see it. And I and if y'all see it, I want y'all to understand, we <laughs> did not practice that. The ending no. was completely improv. No, all on camera. Real stuff. Real stuff as always, man. All right, man. Well, I'll see you back in these streets, man. I got that first vaccination. I'm going to get me all three. I'm trying to collect the whole set. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> 
And then we'll be Ooh, back I in the street. All right, my brother. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Dr. Avis, pleasure. My pleasure, mine. All right, Avis, <laughs> Amakongo, and Michael, uh, I want to get from y'all before we close out uh, your favorite Essence Festival moment. Oh my I'll start. Prince, from beginning to end. I have, I was, you know, the ultimate Prince fan. I've seen him multiple times, but I have I to say. That, was that, but that was 2014? Yes. My okay. favorite show of his was at Essence, where he came out, I swear he must, his initial set must have been a good 30 to 45 minutes. And then he stopped and he was like, okay, warm up's over. And then he went on. And I was just like, oh my God, I was about to have a fit. So yes, that is my favorite Essence moment. That was a great set. In fact, that was the only time I've seen Prince perform live. One of my greatest regrets. That was, that was the only time. Yeah, seriously. Uh, only time. But I will say this here. I will say, no, not take that back. That was the second time I saw Prince perform <clears throat> live. The first one was at a private party at his house in 2011. Well, excuse me. Okay. <laughs> so then, so I, I, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not trying. I ain't trying. I ain't trying to name drop, but I'm just saying. And but I, but I will say this here, Avis, because you mentioned that year. It what he was phenomenal. Uh, yes. We got some video. We posted some photos of that as well. I got some great photos. But after that show, he went to the House of Blues. He went to the House of Blues. And until uh, so his people, Van Jones, and others told me that. So I get to the House of Blues, and um, they they cleared out the whole VIP section. So the House of Blues, Liv Warfield, one of his singers, was performing uh, at the House of Blues. And so, um, so I get there, and I go, and so the the VIP section is uh, like in the balcony. So mm -hmm. I go over. Van Van Jones is on the phone. And Van's like, sit down, sit down. And they had just cleared everybody out. And so Prince was like, Clarence was like, but he was like bouncing around like a bouncing ball. Okay. <laughs> so he was there, then he like disappeared. And so sitting there was actress Google in Botha Raw. And I was in the movie Beyond Lights. She was a co star with Nate Parker in the movie. So I sat down and we knew we had met before at the red carpet. And so we begin to talk. Then Prince bops in and he goes, Nah. I did see you down there dancing, because <laughs> you know my seats, my my seats are like on the third or fourth row right there on the end, yep. uh, center stage. And he then he turns to Google and says, "He can really dance," <laughs> and then starts laughing because I was dancing at his house. We were we were rocking it, but yeah, you're right. That concert uh, was unbelievable, uh, and it's so sad we no longer have him with us. But uh, we certainly have those memories. Uh, Michael, you got a favorite Essence uh, Festival uh, moment? Sorry. Michael, two, we can't I, have two, I have two. I'm not sure it was the same year or not. Um, but, Doc, you're exactly right about the Prince concert. I wasn't there that year, but, you know, spectacular. Two. One was, was somewhere in the early to mid-90s. New edition. Turned it out. And I'm a New Edition fan, so I enjoyed it. The second one. We were walking, I was with my dad, we were walking through, you know, you, of course we had all VI, great VIP walking through everything. And he gets introduced in the little green room thing. And, you know, he walked in and people said, ladies and gentlemen, you guys don't even realize, Ron Brown, that's our next president of the United States. And I, and I, you know, we as a family had heard people talking about it a lot. But then when somebody actually says it in essence, you're just like, wow. Maybe the shit is true. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So uh, those are my two instances, new edition and how they treated my dad. Okay. All right. Gotcha. Uh, I'm a Congo. I wish you had asked me first because <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say that I've never been to Essence Festival. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> oh, wait a damn oh, minute. That card is in peril. I know. I know. See, if How I was at first, head? you could have got to all the print stuff later. Y'all would have forgot. And but, but damn, I'm, I'm caught. I'm caught. I'm sorry. I'll be there next year, though. How in the hell? All these no, years. Where your no ass been? I have no excuse. I'm a Congo. Where you from? I, I I live in D.C. I'm born in Boston. I, I mean, you know, I ain't been far See, from... See, hold up. I, That's the problem right there. It's that Boston, Boston part. It's the Boston. Oh, <laughs> this <is> my hometown. <laughs> people from Boston go to Essence Fest. I just, I just it was never on the plane. That, that, that's yeah, all. nah, people from Roxbury go to Essence Fest. I'm from Roxbury. I, I just missed hold the plane. Up, now ass, hold up, now your ass from Roxbury. You ain't never... Do you want? I, I know. I, I, I do. And Can see, the plane is a whole Can other experience because the plane. Mute, mute, his, mute, mute his damn microphone. Oh, my mute, God. Mute I, I can't no. even. <laughs> no, mute a brother. Hey. Oh, poor baby. That's okay. We'll, we'll take you next time. <laughs> bring his microphone back. I mean, you're going to bring your ass on here. With braids or locks, and you gonna sit here, you know, you like, you know, super black, and you. Oh no! It's just one of those things that happen every year. <laughs> no, it's every year. I mean, you, I mean, you can like plan ahead. I'm planning like ahead now. This, it ain't like it sneak up on you. True indeed. I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna be there. Y'all gonna see me next year. No doubt about it. <clears throat> Oh man! All right, y'all. I, I got. I, oh my lord! I just. I got many um, favorite essence moments. We've been sharing those uh, on social media uh, for the past uh, week. We got lots more we're gonna share uh, with y'all. Of course, uh, uh, one of my favorites. I was telling somebody over the weekend. I came across a video and a photo of uh, me and Leah Chase uh, uh, kicking it during my interview with her. Uh, you know, she passed away. Uh, a couple of years ago, and so uh, it was always uh, when I would go to New Orleans, I would always stop by Dookie Chase and just walk in her kitchen, and she like, you always bring them cameras in my kitchen. And I was like, that's right. Shaft got theme music, and cameras follow me around. Uh, and so that's how we always did it. And so, y'all, we got we got some great stuff. So all throughout the week, we're going to be having on Roland Martin Unfiltered, uh, Essence Festival Throwbacks, brought to you by Coca-Cola. Uh, we got lots more to share. I mean, we got, I mean, y'all, we got a lot of videos, a lot of photos, and so I can't wait to share with those. Uh, we've been sharing uh, two a day with y'all. Uh, tomorrow, I'm going to start sharing three a day. Uh, we got so many, and so we look forward to that. Uh, y'all watch our social media. Uh, we've been sharing uh, six Essence Festival throwback brought to you by Coca-Cola a day. Uh, I think beginning tomorrow, I'm going to start sharing 12 a day. Y'all, that's how much stuff we got. And that's just, that's my personal archives. We got unbelievable stuff. And so we're going to start sharing that with y'all. Uh, let me thank uh, Avis, uh, Michael, and used to be black on Congo. <laughs> um, matter of fact, uh, uh, matter of fact, I know we're going to call uh, Oma Congo uh, Dabinga. Uh, his new name is Chad. Oh, 
I'm going to redeem myself. I'm going to redeem myself. Allow me to thank uh, Avis, Michael, and Chad, um, uh, or Chip, for being with us here on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, Hold on. Let let, let me see this here. Uh, Let me just try this here. So, Omakongo, have you seen the movie Cooley High? Yes. Okay. Most definitely. Have you seen the movie Car Wash? Yes, I have. Okay. Have you seen the original Shaft? Yes, I have. Okay. Have you seen the five heartbeats? Most definitely. Nothing but love. Okay. Have you seen have you seen Love Jones? Most definitely. Actually, moving the right side, trying to be, you know, moving uh-huh. your left or whatever. You know, reciting the poem from Love Jones. You know, soundtrack yeah. was off so the actually, chain. Actually, I believe you're lying about one of those. You figured, let me just say yes to everything because <laughs> if you said no, the black card was certainly going to go into uh, receivership. Uh, it was going to be, it was going to, that was the committee was going to meet uh, when it comes to that. So, uh, but you halfway redeemed yourself. Uh, but you, but your black card is still in review status, considering you have not attended an Essence Festival brought to you by Coca Cola. So, um, <laughs> I, yes. I will redeem so, myself. Yes, you will redeem yourself, and I will have you on probation until this time next year. All right, folks, thanks a bunch. Uh, I appreciate it, y'all. Don't forget, if y'all want to support Roller Martin Unfiltered, please do so by joining our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar you give goes to support the show. Uh, what what we do last week, man, we had a fabulous two two days in Chicago. I'm uh, really looking forward to it. Uh, we are completely virtual this week because we are packing up. We have just two more days in our offices here, and they were moving to our new office located on Black Lives Matter Plaza in the nation's capital. So please support us, y'all, by joining our Bring the Funk Fan Club. Cash App dollar sign RM Unfiltered, PayPal.me forward slash R Martin Unfiltered, Venmo.com forward slash RM Unfiltered, Zell, rolling at rollingsmartin.com, rolling at rollingmartinunfiltered.com. Y'all, thank you so very much. Again, I want to thank Coca-Cola uh, for uh, sponsoring our Essence Festival throwbacks. And don't forget to watch the second weekend of the 2021 uh, Essence Festival uh, Live Loud Experience, all virtual, taking place this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, July 2nd through the 4th. Go to Essence.com, EssenceStudios.com. That's the graphic right there. You see it, the 2021 Essence Festival of Culture Live Loud Virtual Experience. Uh, Again, Friday through Sunday, July 2nd through the 4th. And next Monday, we will have the recap of this weekend. Cannot wait. Folks, that's it. I'm going to see y'all tomorrow right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.